0: Hi, is there a book you'd like to hear on the podcast, or would you just like a shout-out? Then you're in luck. You can send me a one-minute-long voice recording about either. How do you do this? You can either click on the link in the description, scroll down and click on Messages, hit Start Recording, and you can record a one-minute-long recording, or you can type in the link anchor.fm slash chloe897.com slash messages, and just click the Start Recording button. In your recording, add your name, age, and if you want me to play your recording, me mention you, and if it's a book request, just take it into consideration. Thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, give us a few stars, and a review or just tell your friends and family about the show. Thanks again. Now on with the show. Hey guys, it's Chloe, your old host, your old friend, your old Pop coming back to you with another episode of Chloe Stories. So, I found a wrinkle in time on Friday. Like, see, that's when uh, the last thing I did came out. And then I was looking through it um, like, two days ago, because today's Sunday, I was looking through my stuff, and I was like, oh, there it is, Now I'll have something for tomorrow. So, I have metalingals, Lingle's wrinkle in time, and I have found the place so I don't have to go searching for it like I do sometimes, so let's get started. Chapter 11, Aunt Beast. No, Mr. Murray said sharply, please put her down. A sense of amusement seemed to emanate from the beasts. The tallest, who seemed to be the spokesman, said, "'We frighten you?' "'What are you going to do with us?' Mr. Murray asked. The beast said, "'I'm sorry, we communicate better with the other one.' He turned towards Calvin. "'Who are you?' "'I'm Calvin O'Keefe.' "'What's that?' "'I'm I'm a boy, a, a young man.' "'You two are afraid?' not sure. Tell me, the beast said. What do you suppose you do with three of us suddenly arrived on your home planet? Shoot shoot you, I guess? Then isn't that what we should do with you? Calvin's freckles seemed to deepen. But he answered quietly. I'd I'd really rather you didn't. I mean, the Earth's my home, and I'd rather be there than anywhere in the world. I mean, the universe. And I can't wait to get back, but we made some awful bloopers there. The smallest beast, the one holding meds, said, Perhaps you aren't used to visitors from other planets. Used to it, Calvin exclaimed. We've never had any as far as I know. Why? I don't know. The middle beast, a tremor of trepidation in his words, said, You aren't from any dark planets, are you? No, Calvin said, shaking his head firmly. Though the beast couldn't see him. We're we're shadowed. We're but we're fighting the shadow. The beast holding Meg questioned, "'You three are fighting?' "'Yes,' Coven answered, "'now that we know about it.' The tall one turned back to Mr. Murray, speaking sternly. "'You, the oldest man.' "'From where have you come from?' Mr. Murray answered steadily, "'From a planet called Kamazot. There was a mutter from the three beasts.' "'We do not belong there,' Mr. Murray said, slowly and distinctly. "'We were strangers there as we are here.' I was a prisoner there, and these three children rescued me. My youngest son, my baby, is so there, trapped in the mind of it. Meg tried to twist around, and the beast arms to glare at her father and Calvin. Why were they being so frank? Weren't they aware of the danger? But again, her anger was dissolved as the gentle warmth from the tentacles flowed through her. She realized that she could move her fingers and toes with comparative freedom, and the pain was no longer so acute. Okay, I'm going to stop here for a second. So, this is a really weird chapter. Like, the way, the way it's, with the beasts, it just gets strange. I'm not saying you should stop listening, I'm just giving you a warning, and you will know when, what I mean when we get there. But, okay, I just wanted to let you guys know, um. We must take this child back with us, the beast said. Meg shouted at her father. Don't leave me the way you left Charles! With this burst of terror, a spasm of pain racked her body and she gasped. Stop fighting, the beast told her. You make it worse. Relax. That's what it said, Meg cried. Father Calvin, help! The beast turned towards Calvin and Mr. Murray. This child is in danger. You must trust us. We have no alternative, Mr. Murray said. Can you save her? I think so. Maybe, Maybe stay with her? No, but you will not be far away. We feel that you are hungry, tired, and would like to bathe and rest. And this little, what is the word? The beast cocked its tentacles. Girl, Calvin said, this little girl needs prompt and special care. The coldness of the, what is it you call it? The black thing? The black thing, yes. The black thing burns unless it is counteracted properly. The three beasts stood around Meg and seemed that they were feeling into her with soft waving tentacles. The movement of dance of an undersea plant and lying there crate, the four, in the four strange arms, Meg despite herself felt a sense of security that she was deeper than anything she had known since the days when she was laying her mother's arms in the old rocking chair and was starting to sleep. With her father's help, she ha- she had been able to resist it. Now she could hold out no longer. She leaned her head against the beast's chest and realized that the gray body was covered with the softest, most delicate fur imaginable, and the fur had the same beautiful odor as the air. I hope I don't smell awful to it, she thought, but then she knew with a deep sense of comfort that even if she did smell awful, the beast would forgive her. As the tall figure cradled her, she could feel the frigid stiffness of her body relaxing against it. The bliss could not come to her from a thing like it. It could only give pain. Never relieve it. The beasts must be good. They had to be good. She sighed deeply, like a very small child, and suddenly she was asleep. When she came to herself again, there there was in the back of her mind a memory of pain, of agonizing pain, but the pain was over now, and her body was lapped in comfort. She was lying on something wonderfully soft in an enclosed chamber. It was dark. All she could See were the occasional tall, moving shadows which realized were beasts walking about. She had been stripped of her clothes, and something warm and pungent was gently being rubbed into her body. She sighed and stretched and discovered that she could stretch. She could move again there was no longer she was no longer paralyzed, and her body was bathed in waves of warmth. Her father had saved her had not saved her. the beast had. <clears throat> "'So you are awake, little one.' "'The words came gently to her ears. "'What a funny little tadpole you are. "'The pain is gone now? "'All gone. "'And you are warm and alive again. "'Yes, I'm fine.' "'She struggled to sit up. "'No, lie still, small one. "'You must not exert yourself as yet. "'You will have fur garment for you in a moment, "'and then we will feed you. "'You must not even try to feed yourself. "'You must be as an infant again. "'The black thing does not relinquish its victims willingly.' "'Where is our father and Calvin? Have they gone back for Charles Wallace?' "'They are eating and resting,' the beast said, "'and we are trying to learn about each other and see what is best to help you. "'We feel now that you are not dangerous and that we will be allowed to help you.' "'Why is it so dark in here?' Meg asked. "'She tried to look around, but all she could see was shadows. "'Nevertheless, there was a sense of openness, "'a feel of gentle breeze moving lightly around that kept the darkness from being oppressed.' Perplexity came to her from the beast. What is dark? What is light? We do not understand. Your father and the boy Calvin have asked us too. They say that it is night now on our planet and they cannot see. They've told us our atmosphere is what they call opaque, so the stars are not visible. Well and then they were surprised that we know stars, and we know their music and movement of their dance far better than beings like you, who spend hours studying them through what you call telescopes. We don't understand what this means. To see? Well, it's what things look like, makes it help. Honestly, we do not know what things look like, as you say. The be said, we know what things are like. It must be very limiting things, the seeing. Oh no, it's the most beautiful, wonderful thing in the world. What a very strange world you must be, the beast said. That such a peculiar seeming thing should be of such importance. Try to tell me, what is the thing called light that you are able to do so little without? Well, we can't see without it, Nick said, realizing that she was completely unable to explain vision and light and all. How can you explain sight on a world where no one has ever seen and where there is no need of eyes? Well, on this planet, she fumbled, you have a sun, don't you? The most wonderful sun from which comes our warmth and rays which give us our flowers, our food, our music, and all the things which make life grow and growth. Well, Meg said... When we are turned towards the sun, our Earth, our planet, I mean towards our sun, we receive its light. And when we turn away from it, it is night. And if we want to see, we have to use artificial light. So artificial lights, to be said. How very complicated life on your planet must be. Later on, you must try to explain some more to me. <gasps> All right, Meg promised, and yet she knew that to try to explain anything that could be seen without... With the eyes would be impossible because the beast, in some way she knew, understood far more completely than she was, or her parents, or Calvin, or even Charles Wallace. Charles Wallace, she cried, What are they doing about Charles Wallace? We don't know what it's doing to him or making him do. It. Please, oh, so please help us. Yes, little one, of course we will help you. A meeting is in session right now to study what is best to do. We have never before been able to talk to anyone who has managed to escape from a dark planet. So although your father is blaming himself for everything that has happened, we feel that he must be quite extraordinary person to get out of Kamazots with you at all. But the little boy, and I understand that he is a very special and very important little boy, Ah, oh, my child, you must accept that this will not be easy, to go back through the black thing, back to Camazot's. I don't know. I don't know. But Father just left him. He's got to bring him back. He can't just abandon Charles Wallace. The beast's communication suddenly became crisp. Nobody said anything about abandoning every anybody. That is not our way. We know that just because we want something does not mean that we will get what we want. And we still do not know what to do. And we can allow you in your present state to do anything that would jeopardize us all. I can see that you wish your father to go rushing back to Kamazots, and you could probably make him do this. And then where would we be? No, no, no. You must wait here until you're more calm. Now, my darling, here is a robe for you to keep you're warm and comfortable. Meg felt herself being lifted again. A soft, light garment was slipped about her. Don't you worry about your little brother. The tentacle's musical words were soft against her. We would never leave him behind in the shadow. But for now, you must relax. You must be happy. You must get well. The gentle words, the feeling that this beast would be able to love her no matter what she d- said or did, lapped Meg in warmth and peace. She decided... She felt a delicate touch of a tentacle to her cheek, as tender as a mother's kiss. It is so long since my own small ones were grown and were grown and gone. The bee said, "You are so tiny and vulnerable. Now I will feed you. You must eat slowly and quietly. I know that you are half starved, but you must not be. That you must have been without food far too long. But you must not rush things, or you will not get well." Something completely and indescribably delicious and incredibly delicious was put to Meg's lips, and she swallowed gratefully. With each swallow, she felt strength returning to her body, and she realized that she had had nothing to eat since the horrible fake turkey dinner on Camazot's, which she had barely tasted. How long ago was her mother's stew? Time no longer had any meaning. How long does night last here, she murmured sleepily. "'It will be day again, won't it?' "'Hush,' the beast said. "'Eat, small one. "'During the coolness which is now, we sleep. "'And when you waken, there will be warmth and many things to do. "'You must eat and sleep, and I will stay with you.' "'What should I call you, please?' Meg asked. "'Well, now, first try not to say any words for just a moment. "'Think within your own mind. "'Think of all the things you call people, different kinds of people.' "'Well, Meg thought the beast murmured to her gently.' No, mother is a special, a one name, and father you have here. Not just a friend, nor a teacher, nor brother, nor sister. What is acquaintance? What a funny, hard word. Aunt, maybe. Yes, perhaps that will do. And Think of such odd words about me. Thing and monster. What a horrible sort of word. I really do not think I am a monster. Beast. That will do. Aunt Beast. Aunt Beast. Meg murmured sleepily and laughed. Have I said something funny? Aunt Beast asked, surprised. Is Ant Beast alright? Ant Beast is lovely, Meg said. Please sing to me, Ant Beast. It was if it was impossible to describe sight to Ant Beast, it would be even more impossible to describe the singing of an ant beast to a human being. It was a music even more glorious than the music of table of the singing creatures on Uriel. It was a music more tangible than form or sight. It had incense and strength structure. It supported Meg more firmly than the arms of Aunt Beast. It seemed to travel with her, to sweep her aloft in the power of song, so that she was moving in glory among the stars. And for a moment, she too felt the darkness and light had no meaning, and only this melody was real. Meg did not know when she fell asleep within the body of the music. When she awakened, Aunt Beast was asleep too. The softness of her furry, faceless head drooping, I had gone and a dull gray light had filled the room but she realized now that here on this planet there was no need of color for the, that the grays and browns merging into each other were not what the beast knew and that and that what she herself saw was only the smallest fraction of what the planet really was like it was she was if was she who must be limited by her senses not the blind beasts, for they must have senses of what she could not even dream. She stirred slightly, and Aunt Beast bent over immediately. What a lovely sleep, my darling. Do you feel all right? I feel wonderful, Meg said. Aunt Beast, what is this planet called? Oh dear, Aunt Beast sighed. I find it not easy at all to put things the way your mind shapes them. You call where you come from, Kansas? Well, it's where we came from, but it's not our planet. You can call us Igjel, I guess. Aunt Bee told her. We share the same son as lost Kamazots, but that, give thanks, is what we all share. Are you fighting the black thing? Meg asked. Oh, yes, Aunt Beat replied. In doing that, we can never relax. We are according to his purpose, and whom he calls, he also justifies. Of course, we have help, and without help, it would be much more difficult. Who helps you? Meg asked. Oh dear, it is so difficult to explain things to you, small one, and I know that it is not hard. That it is not just because you are a child. The other two are as hard to reach into as you are. What can I tell you that will mean anything to you? Good helps us. The stars help us. Perhaps what you would call light helps us. Love helps us. Oh my child, I cannot explain. This is something you just have to know or not know. But we look at. We look not at the things which we which are what you would call seen but at the things which are not seen for the world the for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal Aunt Beast you know Mrs. What's it egg asked with a sudden flop flooding of hope Mrs. What's it Mrs. Aunt Beast was puzzled oh child your language is so utterly simple and limited that it the, that it has the effect of extreme complication. Her forearms and tentacles waving were outflung in a gesture of helplessness. Would you like me to take you to your father and your Calvin? Oh, yes, please. Let us go, then. They are waiting for you to make plans, and though you would enjoy eating, what does she call it? Oh, yes, breakfast together. "'You will be too warm in that heavy fur now. "'I will dress you in something lighter, and then we will go.' "'As though Meg were a baby, Aunt Beast bathed and dressed her "'in this new garment, though it made of pale fur "'of what light, was lighter than the light, lightest summer clothes on earth. "'Aunt Beast put one tentacled arm around Meg's waist "'and led her through the long, dim corridors "'in which she could only see shadows.' And shadows of shadows until they reached a large column chamber. shafts of light came in from an open skylight and were covenged around about a huge round stone table. Here were seated several of the great beasts and Calvin and Mr. Murray on a stone bench that circled the table. Because the beasts were so tall, even Mr. Murray's feet did not touch the ground and lanky Calvin's long legs dangled as though he were Charles Wallace. The hall was partially enclosed by vaulted arches leading to long paved walls. There were no empty walls, no covering roofs, so that although the light was dull in comparison to the earth's sunlight, Meg had no feeling of dark or of chill. As Aunt Beast led Meg in, Mr. Murray slid down from the bench and hurried to her, putting his arms around her tenderly. "'They promised us you were all right,' he said. While she had been in Aunt Beast's arms, Meg had felt safe and secure." Now her worries about Charles Wallace and her disappointment in her father's human failability rose like a gorge in her throat. I'm fine, she muttered, looking not at Calvin or her father, but at the beasts, for it was them. She turned now for help. It seemed to her that neither her father nor Calvin were properly concerned about Charles Wallace. Meg, Calvin said gaily, you've never tasted such food in your life. Come and eat. Meg lifted Meg. Up onto the bench and sat down beside her, then heaping a plate of food, strange fruits and breads that tasted unlike anything Meg had ever eaten. Everything was dull and colorless and unappetizing to look at. And at first, even remembering the meal Aunt Beast had fed her the night before. Meg hesitated to taste but once she had finally managed the first bite, she ate eagerly. It seemed that she would never have her fill again. The others waited until she slowed down. Then Mr. Murray said gravely, We were trying to work out a plan to rescue Charles Wallace. Since I made such a mistake in tessering away from it, we feel that it would not be wise for me to try to get back to Camzotz, even alone. If I missed the mark again, I could easily get lost and wander forever from galaxy to galaxy, and that would be small help to anyone, least of all to Charles Wallace. Such a wave of Despedency came over Meg that she was no longer able to eat. Our friends here, he continued, feel that it was only the fact that I wore the glasses your Mrs. Who gave you that kept me within the solar system. Here are the glasses, Meg, but I'm afraid the virtue is gone from them, and now they're only glass. Perhaps they were only meant to help perhaps they were meant to help only once and only on Canada's arms. Perhaps it was going through the black thing that did it. He pushed the glasses across the table at her. These people know about tessering, Calvin gestured at the Circle of Great Beasts, but they can't do it on a, to a dark planet. Have you tried to call missus Whatsit, Meg asked. Not yet, her father answered. But if you haven't thought of anything else, it's the only thing to do. Father, don't you care about Charles at all? At that, Aunt Beast stood up, saying, child, in a reproving way. Mr. Murray said nothing, and Meg could see that she had wounded him deeply. She reacted as she would have reacted to Mr. Jenkins. She scowled down at the table, saying, We've got to ask them for help now. You're just stupid if you think we don't. Aunt B spoke to the others. This child is distraught. Don't judge her harshly. She was almost taken by the black thing. Sometimes we can't know what spiritual damage it leaves, even when physical... Recovery is complete. Meg looked angrily around the table. The beast sat there, silent, motionless. She felt that she was being measured and found wanting. Calvin swung away from her and hunched himself up. Hasn't it occurred to you what we've been trying to tell them about our ladies? What do you think we've been up to all the time? Just stuffing our faces? Okay, you have a shot at it. Yes, try, child. Aunt Bee seated herself again and pulled Meg up beside her. "'But I do not understand this feeling of anger I sense in you. "'What is it about? "'There is blame going on and guilt. "'Why?' "'Aunt Beast, don't you know?' "'No,' Aunt Beast said. "'But this is not telling me about whoever you are wanting us to know. "'Try.' "'Meg tried, blunderling, fumbling. "'At first she described Mrs. What's-It in her man's coat "'and multi-colored shawls and scarves, "'Mrs. Who in her white robes and shimmering spectacles, "'Mrs. Witch, in her peaked cap and black gown, quivering in and out of her body. "'Then she realized that this was absurd. "'She was describing them only to herself. "'This wasn't Mrs. Watson or Mrs. Hugh or Mrs. Witch. "'She might as well have described Mrs. Watson as she was "'when she took on a form of flying creature of Uriel. "'Don't try to use words,' Aunt Bee said soothingly. "'You're just fighting yourself and me. "'Think about what they are. "'This look doesn't help us at all.' Meg tried again.' but she couldn't get a visual concept out of her mind. She tried to think of Mrs. What's-It explaining test learning. She tried to think of them in terms of mathematics. Every once in a while, she thought of... While she thought, she felt a flicker of understanding from Aunt Beast or one of the others, but most of the time, all that emanated from them was gentle puzzlement. "'Angels!' Calvin shouted suddenly from across the table. "'Guardian angels!' There was a moment's silence, and he shouted again. His face tense with concentration. Messengers! Messengers from God! I thought for a moment. Aunt Beast started, then subsided, sighing. No, it's not clear enough. How strange it is that they can't tell us what, what they themselves seem to know, a tall, thin beast murmured. One of Aunt Beast's tentacles went around Meg's waist. They are very young and on their earth, as they call it. They never communicated with other planets. They revolve about all lonely in space. Oh, the then beast the said, aren't they lonely? Suddenly a thundering voice reverberated through the, out the great hall. We are here. And that is the end. So, I'm sorry, I kind of, like, stumbled over a lot. I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to get better at it again. So, I will see you guys on Wednesday, or talk to you guys on Wednesday, and until then, bye!